You are listening to Daily Discoveries, and this is Oscar. And this is Sanjana. This is the podcast where we discuss scientific articles weekly from the science section of the Daily. first article we're talking about today comes from UW News and it's titled Smartphone App Can Vibrate a Single Drop of Blood to Determine How Well It Clots. So blood clots are formed in our body in order to stop bleeding. However, for those with heart conditions, blood clots could cause a stroke or a heart attack. To combat this, they take blood thinning medications such as warfarin. For patients taking warfarin, it is vital to make sure that their blood is in the right range since if their blood gets too thin, This can lead to more blood loss after an injury. To get their blood tested, patients need to visit a clinic laboratory or use an expensive at-home testing kit, and this can be bothersome since these tests have to be done frequently. To solve this issue, researchers at UW have created a blood clotting test that detects the range of the blood using a smartphone camera and a vibration motor and a drop of blood. How it works is that a small plastic attachment is connected to the phone and this attachment has a small cup that contains a small particle of copper and a chemical that causes the blood to clot. The person adds a drop of their blood in the cup and the vibration motor of the phone shakes the cup while the camera records the movement of the copper particle, which will slow down as the blood clot forms and eventually stop. Doctors rank blood clotting ability by two factors, one being prothrombin time, or PT, which is the time it takes for the blood clot to form, And the second is the International Normalized Ratio, or INR, which is a ratio doctors use to compare findings from different tests. With this new system, patients can monitor their PT and INR levels from home in an inexpensive way, much like how people with diabetes can use blood sugar monitors at home. However, this test still requires more testing and research, but it has had results similar to commercially available tests in over 200 patients. The next steps are to have more patients use this test at home and to try it in areas with fewer resources. I think that's incredible to use something simple as a smartphone and come up with a solution that can help a lot of people, especially if they were having to go to the hospital every time to get their blood checked. I'm not exactly sure how often they have to do that, do you know? I don't think it mentioned how often, it just said frequently. Right. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's like every couple of days. Yeah. And I think the main issue that this test is going to be able to solve is for people who are unable to visit the doctor frequently or like in areas where they might not have a clinic laboratory that's near their house who might have these issues as well. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I'm sure, hmm, I'm trying to think because diabetes, I wonder if it was very similar in the way that people with diabetes had to get their blood checked often. Yeah. At the doctor maybe before technologies were available. Now I know that insulin gets pumped automatically. So yeah, advancements in technologies like this make living with a condition that is not necessarily life-threatening, but causes your life to, at least you have to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. And these changes, they make living with a condition easier. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I know this is obviously a very new technology, 
-hmm. we saw the pictures in the article it's of it looks like a 3d printed attachment to the phone where the blood is held in a cup as you mentioned yeah i think they might have to make some changes of like the plastic attachment yeah right now we, i guess you could say it's in the prototype stage yes yeah and I, it's a graduate student at UW that came um, up with this along with a doctor yeah it's it? a UW doctoral student very in cool. the allen school very very cool i found the idea of adding the copper particle to be like super interesting right because they were mentioning how they couldn't just use the wave of the blood because it was too variable to measure but the idea of what the copper particle was i thought that was really really innovative so what is the point of the copper particle is it just so the copper particle is like in the blood and when they the phone vibrates the cup of blood the copper particle moves and attracts the motion of the particle and as the blood clot starts to form the copper particle slows down and then eventually stops oh i see the, yeah. so the copper is able more able to freely move yeah before so that is smart yes okay so rather than just trying to observe the blood clot yes. you're observing the movement of the copper mm -hmm. i see okay that makes sense yeah that's really cool and i don't know but maybe more tests like these i don't know what other diseases but i'm sure there's many that mm -hmm. could use simplifications like this I yeah. wonder if smartphone apps will become more useful in the future. Okay, so kind of shifting gears, but also related to creative solutions in disease problems. So this article that I found at Science News is called Chewing Sugar-Free Gum Reduces Preterm Births in a Large Study. And... What inspired this study was a trend in poor oral health connected with preterm birth in a specific region in Malawi. So the gum that they used has xylitol, which is actually known to boost oral health and is a sugar replacement. And in this study, they saw a 24% decrease in preterm births in women who chewed the gum and this is because in this region specifically, but also in general, there is a disease called periodontal disease. And this disease causes inflammation in the gums and around the teeth. And the xylitol helps reduce the effects of this disease. And so this study is actually a decade-long project, and it works with preterm births in this region called the long way in Malawi and preterm births here are actually at a global high of 19%. And so preterm births here actually have its own name in their language, Chichewa, and the word means born too soon. And it actually is very common in this region that people know someone who has experienced a preterm birth because it is yeah, so common compared to other regions. Obviously, preterm births are a problem because it come, they come with complications, such as lung defects and neurodevelopmental problems. And another issue that was the reason to this finding was that in this region, 70% of the pregnant and postpartum women in this population had cavities. And... So that was investigated, and they realized that this periodontal disease is linked with preterm births. And this was looked into for a while, and it was studied extensively. And they realized that 
the periodontal disease changes the microbiome of your mouth, which is interesting to think about because when you think of microbiome, at least me, I think of the diversity in the gut. However, the mouth or oral cavity is actually second to the gut in its diversity when it comes to its microbiome. So what this periodontal disease does is that it kind of gets rid of the host's microbiome and changes the composition of it. And so what xylitol in the gum does is that it limits this shift in the microbiome changing its composition. And this is important because periodontal disease is thought to be linked to preterm births because of this shift in the microbiome in the mouth, because it is thought that the microbiome shift leads or is kind of affects other areas in the body through bodily fluids or whatnot, and may actually get into the placenta and affect the birth. So what they found is basically that good oral health leads to a lower rate in a preterm birth. That's a really interesting connection. I would never think that your oral health would affect like preterm birth. Right. And I just wonder like more about like the specifics of how like how they're connected and like the science behind that. Right. Like how does like something in your like mouth affect like something like different in your body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they, as I said, they made predictions, but there obviously is some connection mm-hmm. between the two, and they are still researching what the changes exactly are in the microbiome in the mouth. But it's pretty cool that xylitol kind of stops the disease from changing the microbiome. I'm not exactly sure yeah, how what it... else, how it affects the disease otherwise, if it, like the symptoms of decaying gums and such like, such as that, and cavities, I wonder if it affects any of that as well, or if it is just this shift in microbiome. What in xylitol, like, boosts oral health? I have no idea. They didn't mention it. They didn't mention the chemical composition or anything. I just know that it's a sugar... It replaces... Yeah, exactly. Sugar replacement. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. This next article, though, I think is even cooler. So this next article that we are going to talk about is about gene therapies and specifically for sickle cell disease and this is another article from science news so sickle cell disease was found in 1949 and it is a genetic disease which causes debilitating pain and changes to the cells or to the blood cells in the body and just now are they developing therapies to cure this disease although they are definitely still in progress but this article is about about progress that they have made and so some science behind it is that blood cells rely on hemoglobin for two different reasons well probably more than that but two very important reasons it is important for oxygen transfer around the body so the hemoglobin attaches to oxygen and carries it to different parts of the body. And it is also important for the structure of this cell, making it floppy and able to get through blood vessels in the body smoothly, and even the smallest blood vessels such as capillaries. With sickle cell disease, the 
blood cells are actually changed in composition and are now called sickle cells. And these cells have a mutation in the HBB gene, which changes a protein in hemoglobin. And this causes the hemoglobin to sort of stack up and causes the structure of the sickle cell to kind of become more rigid, where it is not as floppy, as you could say, um, and is not able to move through the blood vessels as easily. And this is actually a disease that affects millions worldwide and hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. And it is found that it affects mostly people with ancestors from the Middle East, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Southeast Asia. And this disease also comes with a shorter life expectancy where people usually only live until the end of their 40s. However, gene therapy is hoped to be the solution to this problem. Something about gene therapy is that it has been tried on other diseases before, such as severe combined immunodeficiency syndrome, muscular atrophy, and some blood cancers. However, there have been struggles developing these gene therapies with some troubling consequences, such as the development of leukemia. Therefore, there has been some hesitation in these clinical trials when it comes to developing these new gene therapies. However, it is thought that sickle cell disease may be particularly useful for developing gene therapies. And this is because sickle cell disease and its pathway are very well understood and it is a very straightforward molecular mechanism. And another reason is that you don't actually have to treat every single cell in the body for, or at least its symptoms to disappear. And this is because people can actually be heterozygous for the sickle cell gene, which means that maybe they only inherited from one parent. But when they are heterozygous, they actually don't have the disease itself. Therefore, you don't actually have to target every single cell. And this therapy wants to target something called fetal hemoglobin. And they use a virus which they insert into the bone marrow. And this virus is called a vector and it carries microRNA. And so this virus inserts itself into the DNA blueprint permanently. And the microRNA that it carries interacts with fetal hemoglobin repressors, which turn on the gene. And this is because Adult humans do not have fetal hemoglobin. That's why it's called fetal hemoglobin. And so what this therapy would do is turn back on this protein that doesn't exist in adults by changing the transcription site of the gene so that the hemoglobin can be activated once again. And this treatment was actually found to be successful in clinical trial with, I think, six people were actually completely treated from sickle cell disease. Uh, however, they do urge that they don't want to create too much hype around these early results, but it is definitely still very important. Along with this therapy just described, there are actually other technologies and mechanisms that are being developed as well to treat sickle cell disease. One of them inserts a functional copy 
of the HBB gene, and another one uses CRISPR-Cas9 to directly alter the gene, the faulty mutated gene. When I was thinking about this article, the first thing that came into my mind was CRISPR-Cas9, because <laughs> I think we mentioned like previously how you can probably just like cut out a part of the gene that's like causing like the red blood cells to like take this shape and then like alter it so it like takes like the normal circular shape. Right, right. And I think that is what other people are working on. However, that seems not to be the first solution that they've come up with, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, multiple solutions is always great. Right. Um, especially if something is like cheaper. Also, I wonder if it has anything to do with that only blood cells or the, the cells being affected and whether CRISPR-Cas9 actually alters the genome of maybe all the cells rather than a targeted group. Maybe. I don't know. But then again, I'm not sure if every cell, every cell obviously has the same genome yes. in the body. So every cell probably has this mutation, but it only affects blood cells. Yeah, it's the ones that actually code for those genes. Exactly. But I think this, this is a really creative solution mm -hmm. where they are turning on fetal hemoglobin. Okay, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Daily Discoveries.